listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. So Beyond Belief, this is the title of our uh, Epiphany series. Epiphany, of course, is not about us. It's about Christ. Jesus is the one who is being revealed. He is the epiphany, the revelation, the manifestation. You know, sometimes I've heard Christians referred to as believers. Have you heard that term before? Right. You know, you'll ask, is, is that person a believer? Or somebody might say, well, I'm a believer. It's an interesting um, designation as to who we are or what we are. Um, you know, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. So I guess in a Cartesian way, uh, modern people are thinkers, right? Because I think I exist. But Christians kind of have, have tweaked that a bit, right? They're saying, I believe these things, and that makes me a part of this group. I'm a, be- a believer. But this year, during Epiphany, we want to move beyond belief. We don't want to just stay in kind of the realm of some kind of cerebral idea. We want to think about the fullness of our identity, like who we are, not just in my head, but in my heart, and not just in my heart, but in my stomach, and not just in my stomach, but the rest of my body, and not just my body, but this collective that I'm a part of. So the title of today's sermon is, Who Am I? And I can look around the room, and I appreciate everyone that has um, their name tag on. If If you're able to come in without a name tag, somehow we missed you, but there are name tags maybe at Sober Mesa if you stick around after the service. Uh, for some coffee and some conversation, you can put your name tag on there, right? So who am I? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, that's a good question. But maybe before we answer that question, in the season of Epiphany, one of the things I want to say to you is, this is not about you. Like, too often, I think, we read the scriptures, or we'll read stories about Jesus, or we'll read Jesus' parables, and we're, we're quick to move to the thing about, what does this mean for me? Or, where can I find myself in the story? Well, frankly, you're not in the story. <laughs> the story's not about you. <laughs> it's about Christ. Like, he's the one. When you read that passage, and you read a passage in Isaiah, or you read a passage in Hebrews, you read a, the, the Psalms, the Psalms, interesting enough, are often, I guess, about the Psalter, right? They're about the person who's singing or about the person who's praying. But as Christians, when we come to these texts, we're not just asking historical questions, like who were these people or when did it happen? We're asking spiritual questions, right? We're asking, like, where can we find God in this story? And in some ways, in this story that Sarah read for us, we could not so much identify with Christ, but maybe identify with John. So in this story, it's John who says, Behold the Lamb of God. And we too now play that role. Like, we now have taken up the mantle of John the Baptist, and we are to tell others about Jesus. Like, this is who Jesus is. So, behold the Lamb of God. So that's, that's a good place to start. Who am I? I am one who points to Jesus. That's, that's part of who I am. Now, 
Um, when we ask the question, um, who am I, uh, that question I think is best answered when we think about other texts that say things like this. Like Paul would say, um, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it is not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Now that's very deferential, but trust me on this one. This is incredibly helpful. Jesus will say, the one who seeks to gain their life will lose it, and the one who loses their life will gain it. And I know that that seems counterintuitive. Like the only way I can have a life is if I build a life, if I pull things together, if I get things done, right? I'm going to get an education, or I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get a family, I'm going to get a house, I'm going to get a car, I'm going to go on vacation, right? That I get my life by obtaining things and skills and experiences. But the, the problem with that is when we center on ourselves, we often lose ourselves. Trying to hold on to yourself is a bit like trying to hold on to smoke. Or trying to hold on to more sand by kind of squeezing your hands tighter. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Like we end up not becoming truly who we are, but we end up becoming some kind of um, projection, right? We become a, a false self. So that I'm not, I'm not Robbie, at least not, not the one that you know. I'm, I'm kind of projecting a self, Right? I want you to think these things about me. I want you to think I'm funny, so I tell a joke. Or I want you to think I'm, I'm intelligent, so I'll say something smart. I'll try to. Or I want you to think um, I'm culturally uh, in tune, and so I'll ask you about you know, something and I'll comment on, on pop culture. And so it's, I'm always kind of projecting a self not just to others, but sometimes, and this is the sad part, I'm projecting a self to me. Like, I'm not even honest with myself as to who I am. So that I think Jesus' statement that those who seek to gain their life lose it, and those who lose it, those who give it away, will gain it. But we gain it in our identity with Christ. This, this sense of the self... now. Uh, I don't know how many of you have a therapist, but if, if your insurance will pay for it, let me encourage you to have one. Like the same way you need a, a doctor, a, a general practitioner. They don't call them general practitioners anymore. What do we call it? Primary care. Yeah. Your primary care physician, right? So the same way you need a primary care uh, physician, you also need um, a therapist. You need someone to kind of care for your mental health. And I would encourage you to to make that a part of your life. You know, so this, this story that we read from the gospel is a story of the calling of the first disciples. So Andrew and um, Simon and James and John. And so, you know, Jesus, Jesus calls them, and, and we know a certain things about them. So Simon, for example, and, and his brother Andrew, um, they were the son of Jonas, or Bar-Jonas, right, sons of Jonas. So uh, Simon Jonas and Andrew Jonas, and their father had some fishing boats, and, and they fished. And then they had friends who, whose father also owned some fishing boats, Zebedee. And James and John were, were his sons. 
And so you have a pair of kind of brothers, both of whom's fathers are in the fishing business. And so they had a few boats, and that's what they did for a living. And so this prophet, this, this rabbi, kind of comes over from Nazareth, and he moves into Capernaum, and now he's kind of calling disciples. And so he calls them from that vocation and kind of that identity, right, into kind of a new life. And he even says, the, the last verse of the gospel passage that we read says, Simon, son of Jonah, you will be called Peter. Now, typically, I think we think of Peter's name kind of positively. Uh, and I think there are certain positive things about it, like Peter uh, means rock, uh, which could represent strength. Um, we use it in English as well as a nickname. Uh, that's what this is, like to call, like his, his name is actually Simon, but he's going to go by another name. It doesn't mean like his name was Robbie and now we're going to call him Charles. It's more like like my name is Robert, and I go by Robbie. It's a, it's, it's more like that, but maybe not like that. It's like if you tall, call a tall guy shorty, or you call a bald guy curly, um, or um, one of my favorite films of all time is um, Shawshank Redemption, and Morgan Freeman's character in the movie is called Red, and uh, Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, said, "Well, why do they call you Red?" And he says, I don't know, maybe because I'm Irish, right? So that's, that's what's going on here. So it's to call someone Peter, in our culture, the equivalent would be like to call him Rocky. So, you know, think of like Sylvester Stallone, I guess, right? And so this guy named Simon is going to be known as Rocky. So let's think. Now, what do we think about people called Rocky? Ideas? Tough. Tough. Yeah, Rocky's a tough guy, you know? And certainly, uh, Simon, like Peter, is a tough guy. I, thank you for raising your hand. Go ahead, Landon. Mean, right? Rocky could be a mean guy, like a bit of a bully, like really bossy. And, and if you read the Gospels, you know, Peter, Peter's pretty boisterous, right? right? Jesus will ask the disciples something, and Peter will speak up, Right? For the educators in the room, we all know that kid in the class, right? Like, that's the, that's the really extroverted kid. And then, when things get tough sometimes, our tough guy speaks up. Like, Jesus uh, uh, says, who do people say that I am? And uh, they say, well, some say you're a prophet, and some say you're like Elijah or Jeremiah. And then Jesus will say, well, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says, I know, I know, I know. You are the Christ. And so Jesus is like, that's right. Now, the Son of Man must suffer and die and be rejected. And on the third day, he will raise again. And, and Peter's like, nuh-uh. Not, not as long as I'm around. No one's going to hurt you. Jesus is like, Peter, shh. You know, get, get behind me. Now, just real quickly on that note, and I've, I've said this recently, but it might be worth repeating again. He doesn't say to Peter, depart from me. He says to Peter, get behind me. 
And then he looks around the room and he says, anybody else that wants to get behind me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. The instruction, and our translations often get a little wonky here. We'll trans- it's the same word that's used for behind. We'll translate one for behind and we'll translate the other way, follow. But it's the same word. To be behind a rabbi is to be in the position of a student or a disciple. And he's saying, get, don't be in front of me, opposing me. Get behind me and follow me. So if we were to take Jesus' invitation and to follow Jesus, we will end up being behind Peter, who's also following Jesus. Right? Our God doesn't reject us. But I think our God does reject our false selves. He rejects those projections that we have. He rejects those versions of ourselves that aren't our true selves. And in some ways, I think this about Simon. So Simon is a strong guy. That's a good thing. It can be anyway. There's nothing wrong with that, right? He's probably a good fisherman. Uh, Simon is also a, a bit of a problem child, right? He, he can cause trouble. That, you know, he promised Jesus that he... He would um, kind of protect him. He'd always be with them. And Jesus is like, actually, before the rooster crows the third time tomorrow morning, you will have denied me, right? At the, at the, cruci- at the arrest of Jesus, uh, the Romans come. Peter pulls out his sword. He cuts off a guy's ear. Now, interesting enough, the ear that the person belonged to that's a funny thing to say. The person didn't belong to the ear, I guess. The, the person that the ear belonged to, how about that, wasn't a Roman soldier. Like, he didn't go after someone with a spear and a sword. It was the slave of the high priest. <laughs> it's like, I'll take this guy out. And he, like, takes out the smallest guy. Thank, thanks a lot, Peter. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 put your sword away. That's not what we're talking about. And then he has to heal. He has Put the ear back on. You have to heal the guy. And so what we see with Peter is that often he is trouble. And, and not just in the sense that he's, he's kind of, what did you say, mean, Landon? Yeah, not just that he's mean or resistant. Um, but yeah, that he's, um, he is impatient. He is impulsive. You're doing a great job today. <laughs> kind of collective preaching. I love it. So, you know, when Jesus says, when he tells the story of the sower, right? right the, 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 the seed goes into various types of soil. Thorny soil, hard soil, good soil, rocky soil. Like rocky. Like Peter is, is one of the types of soil that is, that is hard for things to grow in. And so he, we find him kind of being a really complex character in this story. Right? He, it's not that he's all bad. Certainly he's not all bad. He's a, he's a disciple. He's following Jesus. He's left his, his life behind. He's finding his new identity in Christ but he's certainly not all good, right? He's, he's not um, free from fault. If anything, he's kind of filled with faults. 
And I think in some ways those faults are related to this identity. You will be called Peter. It is interesting he doesn't say, I will call you Peter. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, you'll be called Peter. Because at the end of the story, when we get to the end of the Gospel of John, Peter has denied that he knew Jesus three times, right? And he swore, right? I won't do that for you. But just imagine, yeah, imagine the, the swearing that took place when he said, I did not know this man. And then, of course, Jesus is crucified. And now Peter hears from Mary, Mary Magdalene, that not only is the tomb empty, but that she has seen Jesus, and he's alive. And so he grabs the beloved disciple, they run to the tomb, they check it out, sure enough it's empty, and then Jesus appears multiple times to his disciples. The first time he appears, they're all there except for Thomas, right? And then it says a second time, he appears again, and Thomas, too, is with them. And then it says, the gospel kind of comes to an end, kind of fades to black. It says, all of these signs have been written down so that you might believe, and that in believing you might receive eternal life. Had we written down everything that Jesus did, it would have taken up all the books. But we wrote down this so that you might believe. I mean, the end, right? Fade to black. The, the story could definitely close at the end of chapter 20. But what we end up getting in chapter 21 is one more story. So you're all familiar with the, um, the Marvel scenes, the Marvel movies, right? So John chapter 21 is to the Gospel of John what the post credit scene is to our Marvel movie, right? The story has already come to an end. We're going to run the credits, but if you're willing to stay around, we're going to show you one more scene, right? And in that scene, it'll be a little comical. It will kind of wrap up the story in like one more additional way, and it will also point toward a sequel, right? That's how those post-credit scenes work. All of that happens in John 21. We get a little story. It's kind of funny about this huge catch of fish. You get this very meaningful story about, about Simon Peter being rehabilitated and getting to say that he loves Christ. And then you get this kind of prediction about what's going to happen in the future, which sets us up canonically for the book of Acts. So it works, John 21 works just like a post-credit scene from a Marvel movie. In that scene, though, when Jesus makes a fire, and it's the the charcoal fire. There's only been one other charcoal fire in the story. That was in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. And it's by that fire that Peter said, not once, not twice, but thrice, I don't know the guy. Now, Jesus builds a fire. And he's cooking some fish. And he's like, Peter, do you love me? No, I misspoke. The narrator tells us that it's Simon Peter he's speaking to. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Not once in that story of the rehabilitation of Peter does Jesus call him Peter. 
Jesus only calls him Simon. Who am I? I am who I am in Christ. I'm not just something because I think, with all due respect to Descartes, I'm not just something because I believe, with all due respect to our evangelical brothers and sisters. I am because I am loved. I am because God made me. God loves me. God cares for me. God saved me. The epiphany of who God is is Christ. But there is another epiphany that comes here. Because who Christ is is who we truly are when we are our true selves. We have decentered our egos. We have gotten beyond our projected self. And we become somehow in this deferential, sacrificial mimicking of Christ, we find true belonging and meaning and fullness of life. And Christ calls us by name. Not what the world calls us, you will be called Rocky, but Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Simon, Simon, do you love me? I do. Then feed my sheep. Tend the flock. Stop being the fisherman that you were and become the shepherd that you're called to be. Simon finds himself because Jesus knows him. One of my favorite Christian writers is a man named Frederick Buechner. Everything that Buechner writes is, is lovely. I mean, he's a, he's a novelist, he's an essayist, he's a poet, and he also writes some nonfiction, just kind of reflecting on the, on the spiritual life. Um, before we come to our prayers today, I'd like for us to, to listen to some words from Frederick Buechner. And it's, as you listen to them, reflect on this question of, who am I? This is an excerpt from A Room Called Remember by Frederick Buechner. The time is ripe for looking back over the day, the week, the year, and trying to figure out where we have come from and where we are going to, for sifting through the things we have done and the things we have left undone, for a clue to who we are and who, for better or worse, we are becoming. But again and again, we avoid the long thoughts. We cling to the present out of wariness of the past. And why not, after all? We get confused. We need such escape as we can find. But there is a deeper need yet, I think. And that is the need, not all the time, surely, but from time to time, to enter that still room within us all where the past lives on as a part of the present, where the dead are alive again, where we are most alive ourselves to turnings and to where our journeys have brought us. The name of the room is Remember, the room where, with patience, with charity, 
with quietness of heart, we remember consciously to remember the lives we have lived. So much has happened to us all over the years. So much has happened within us and through us. We are to take time to remember what we can about it and what we dare. That's what entering the room means, I think. It means taking time to remember on purpose. It means not picking up a book for once or turning on the TV, but letting the mind journey gravely, deliberately, back through the years that have gone by, but are not gone. It means a slower, deeper kind of remembering. It means remembering as a searching and finding. The room is there for all of us to enter if we choose to. And the process of entering is not unlike the process of praying. Because praying, too, is a slow, grave journey. A search to find the truth of our own lives at their deepest and dearest. A search to understand to hear and be heard. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, goes the old spiritual. And of course nobody knows the trouble we have any of us seen. The hurt, the sadness, the bad mistakes, the crippling losses. But we know it. We are to remember it. And the happiness we have seen too. The precious times, the precious people, the moments in our lives when we were better than we know how to be. Nobody knows that either, but we know it. And we are to remember it. And we will find beyond any feelings of joy or regret that one by one the memories give rise to a profound and undergirding peace, a sense that in some unfathomable way all is well. We have survived you and I. Maybe that is at the heart of our remembering. After 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, or 80, we have made it to this year, this day. We needn't have made it. There were times when we never thought we would and nearly didn't. There were times we almost hoped we wouldn't. We're ready to give the whole thing up. To remember my life is to remember countless times when I might have given up, gone under, when, humanly speaking, I might have gotten lost beyond the power of any to find me. But I didn't. I have not given up. And each of you, with all the memories you have and the tales you could tell, you also have not given up. You also are survivors and are here. And what does that tell us, our surviving? It tells us that weak as we are, a strength beyond our strength has pulled us through, at least this far, at least to this day. Foolish as we are, a wisdom beyond our wisdom has flickered up just often enough to light us, if not to the right path through the forest, at least to a path that leads forward that is bearable. Faint of heart as we are, a love beyond our power to love has kept our hearts alive. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. 
If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.